Hey everybody, I am back with another thrilling episode. Uh, I am now, well, I am now, I am continuing my journey down the path of Mother's Day, William Patterson's first, uh, air quotes, novel. Um, the last episode I read the prologue, chapters one and two, and, uh, as you can tell, I don't sound too thrilled to be reading more because I don't want to. However, some of you sick fuckers got a kick out of my pain, so I'm going to continue doing this. If I remember correctly, it's been so long, been a handful of weeks, I put this on the back burner because I didn't want to fucking do it. But, like I said, some people enjoy car wrecks. If I remember correctly, The Hunter, I think that's all he was known as, for some reason, dug up Jason's mask, put it on, now he's possessed, and we're also following a group of teens who want to go camping, and we don't give a shit about them. All right. Um, I'm going to at least read chapters three and four, maybe five, depending on how long they are. I'm on chapter, or I'm on page 20 of 119. Fuck my life. Here we go. Chapter three, setting out. Poncho, Carly exclaimed, Mom, I'm not going to summer camp. Mrs. McDonald stood at the base of their stairs, her arms loaded with stuff she had just brought down from the attic. Well, I wish you were going to camp, she said grimly. I'd feel a lot safer about the whole thing. She carried her load of clothes to the foyer, where Carly's suitcase, already stuffed, sat waiting. Mom, Carly said, I'm going away for two nights. That's it, two nights. Well, it's good to be prepared, Mrs. McDonald grunted as she kneeled down and started stuffing a second canvas carry-all. Carly found herself staring at the top of her mother's head. Okay. Mrs. McDonald, Mrs. McDonald had dyed blonde hair, a recent experiment she'd been egged on by Carly, and totally gray roots. Carly felt a knife twist of pity. Fuck you. Her mother was getting old. Carly glanced at her pink and black swatch watch. Okay, first of all, okay, I've noticed this. William is very descriptive with his colors. That's what they teach you in, like, fifth grade writing class makes sense if you knew how smart William was or stupid however but or how how would you say that it makes sense if you knew William's skills when concerning writing fifth grade ah <sighs> swatch watch here we go okay 4 30 the last word from Boone was that Paul Sexton Paul Sexton okay so William really put said Paul Sexton and then in parentheses he put Paul Sexton with an exclamation point and his roommate, exclamation, or parentheses, Albert something or other, were going to pick her up and drive her to Kyle's. They'd all leave from there. How Boone had got permission from her mother, she had no idea. She was afraid of, to ask, for fear Miss McDonald would change her mind. Don't forget to call when you get there, Mrs. McDonald said, struggling with a suitcase zipper. Mom, Carly said, we're going camping. There might not be any phones in the trees. Phone, phones? Very funny, Miss McDonald gave her a limp half-smile. Mom, I'll be all right. I pray that you're right. Carly sighed. As we all are doing. A car honked. She turned fast. Through the front door's lace curtain. See, right there, very fucking description. No one gives a shit about being lace curtain, William. Through the front door's lace curtain, she could see a red Porsche convertible idling in front. Her heartbeat increased instantly. Okay, Mom, she said, trying to cover up how happy she was to be leaving. I gotta go. Let me get you some fruit and egg. I've got egg salad and... Carly hugged her mother, partly as a way of cutting her off, and kissed her cheek. Her mother hugged her back. 
hard. Got to go, Carly said gently. She could have predicted her mother's last words. They were words she used even when Carly had went no farther than the movies. Be careful, Mrs. McDonald said. Carly felt like a true dork going down the walk carrying two bags. Like she was going on a month's trip or something. I feel like a true dork for reading this shit. A tall, rugged, blonde guy. Again? Again? A tall, rugged, blonde guy with soft, silky hair. You trying to say something, William? Jumped out of the driver's side of the car and hurried to take her bags from her. Carly, right? Tongue-tied, she nodded dumbly. She knew her mother was watching from the window, which made her feel even more embarrassed. I'm Paul Sexton, said the incredibly handsome teenager. Oh, Willie, Willie, Willie. Oh, as if she didn't know who he was. As if anyone didn't know. He hefted the bags easily as they walked toward the car. You like to travel light, huh? He joked. For the first time, she noticed the large, bespectacled face oogling her from the rear window of the Porsche. I don't know if that's how you... Do you spell Porsche? P-O-R-C-H-E? Didn't you? Hold on. Didn't you? Okay. Hold on. One fucking second. You dipshit. So, here we go. William Patterson, seven-time published author. For the first time, she noticed the large, bespectacled face oogling her, or ogling her, he only has one O, from the rear window of the porch. He wrote P-O-R-C-H-E. Now, one, two, three, five paragraphs before that. A car honked. She turned fast. Through the front door's lace curtain, she could see a red Porsche. P-O-R-S-C-H-E. You stupid, dumb fuck. All right. For the first time... Oh, Jesus. For the first time, she noticed a, the bespectacled face ogling her. I'm going to put ogling because he put one O. From the rear window of the porch. His first impression was that Paul had a huge poodle in the back seat. Carly, Paul said as they got in. This is Albert Harris. Albert, Carly, Carly, Albert, Albert, Carly, Carly, Albert. Fuck off. Carly found herself giggling like this was the world's funniest joke. Albert was a chubby guy. The word fat came instantly to mind. Could have been worse. Could be obese, William. With curly black hair and a nervous stare. Huh, sounds like the fat fuck from part three. You ripping that off, William? He stuck his hand between the leather bucket seats. His hand was flabby and clammy. Pot, meat, kettle. Great to meet you, he gushed. He didn't let go of her hand. Uh, do you like movies? Have you seen Jurassic Albert? Paul said lightly. We're going to be together the whole weekend. Ease up, big fella. Fuck. Carly giggled again. Someone has to. Only this time she regretted it immediately, like me reading this, because she could see how hurt Albert was. And then Paul grinned at her and everything went out of her mind. It was a knowing grin, like the two of them shared some big secret. You really want to kiss this Paul guy, don't you? Uh, he flicked on the radio and Mariah Carey started belting out a hot love song that pulsed through the small car. Sex was already in the air, thought Carly with a tense thrill. Mariah was just saying it all out loud. The streets in Newkirk all looked pretty much identical with their big green lawns and large shingle-style houses. But it was the huge trees lining the streets that really made Newkirk so pretty. 
Most of the streets were named after them. Maple, Elm, Cedar. Kyle lived on Cypress. When they drove up to his house, excuse me, when they drove up to his house, Kyle was sitting cross-legged on the front lawn next to his black guitar case and a large aluminum frame backpack. He was stocky, but good. Jesus, he was a stocky but good-looking senior with long brown hair, which he combed straight back. His eyes were closed. He looks dead, Albert commented. Probably meditating, Carly explained. Carly, or Kyle had always been a kind of a hippie, but since, since he and Suzanne had started going out, they'd both gotten into the whole 60s trip in a big way. They even started an environmental group at school. They even ate crunchy granola. They even ate... Paul honked. Kyle just opened his eyes and smiled. Then the front door of Kyle's house opened and out bounced Suzanne, tall and gangly and waving both arms in, in greeting. Her red hair looked coppery in the sunshine. She was wearing a purple tie-dyed t-shirt, a necklace of wooden beads, and short, short cutoffs that made her legs look way too long, like a giraffe. Did I get the instructions wrong, muttered Albert in the back seat. Did you say we were going camping, right? Or, you did say we were going camping, right, Paul? Not going to Woodstock? Carly couldn't think of a good comeback, so she just got out of the car. So did Paul. Albert stayed in back. Jesus Christ, how fucking long is this chapter? Suzanne loped? Suzanne loped. L-O-P-E-D. Suzanne loped over to Carly and gave her a big hug. Suzanne, Carly said into her shoulder, I just saw you an hour ago in English class. English class. That was my bad, not him. Well, hugs are affirming, Suzanne said. Suzanne had already been wearing her nose ring for a month now, but Carly still couldn't get used to the sight of metal. Okay. But Carly still couldn't get used to the sight of metal piercing nostril. Is that how it's supposed to be written? She looked away. Uh, this is Paul Sexton. Paul Sexton. Carly said, as though she needed no introductions. Woo. Suzanne said, gaping openly. Are you trying to say gasping openly? Gaping is is what oh, I'm not even going to fucking say. Because <laughs> I don't want to picture gaping and you, William. Jesus. Then she covered her mouth, giggling and said, whoops. Paul just grinned. Carly glanced down at Kyle to see if he minded Suzanne's reaction. Apparently not. He had his eyes closed again. Front door of Kyle's house opened a second time. Out came Monique. She had her hands in the back pockets of her guest, and he did put a question mark, guest jeans, which meant that she walked. Wait, what? Which meant that as she walked, she sort of sashayed and her chest stuck way out, which it did anyway. She made a grand approach down to the pavement, like a model coming down the runway. Carly could feel Paul tense beside her. Definite competition. You're not bringing my bags, Carly asked Monique crossly. The words seemed to slip out. She suddenly felt like Monique's mother or something. Monique gave Carly an obnoxious smile. I have plenty of stuff, she explained haughtily in broken English. Oh, that's right, this is the French chick. I'm not doing a fucking French accent, fuck you. Kyle picked me up and loaded... Okay, see, okay, now you're smart, William. You made her speak broken English because you can't fucking type... Kyle picked me up and loaded all in the van. I'm Paul. 
This time Carly had forgotten to make introductions. Paul hadn't forgotten. He stuck out his hand. Monique shook it, batting her eye or batting her lashes. She had pert little features, including button eyes and dimples. How could Carly measure up to that? There was awkward silence. Well, it looks like we're all here, said Suzanne finally. Except Boone, Kyle said. He was still sitting on the lawn with his eyes still closed. All right, Suzanne said, slapping her forehead. I'd love to slap you, William. I forgot Boone. She giggled. Great going, Suzanne. After all, he only organized the whole thing. Page 24 of 119. Fuck. As if on cue, an obnoxious roar broke the silence. All heads turned to see Boone's Kawasaka Ninja two spaces thundering down Cypress Lane. Boone, Boone ran... My, my bad. Boone... No. Boone rode right up to Kyle, onto Kyle's lawn, then back into the street, making a tight circle around them. He dismounted like a cowboy getting off a horse after pulling off a prize-winning stunt in a rodeo. He pulled off his black Lucite helmet and waved it in the air. yi Not yee-haw. Y-I-H-A-A-A. yi He shouted. Let's... Or... No, here's the thing. If you want to do let's party, William, it's L you you make the E longer. Not L E T T T apostrophe S. So it's let let's party. That's how you wrote it. Let's party. God damn it. Normal these books have fucking followings, supposedly. People actually enjoyed reading these. Normally it made Carly really nervous when the driver of a car looked at her for too long. She was always sure they were going to crash. But when Paul looked at her, she melted. What eyes! They were two spaces. Ice blue and twinkly, like clear, sparkling water. Jesus Christ, William. How you holding up, he asked. Not too bad, Alf Albert said from the back. He was lying on his back with one chubby arm draped over his sweaty forehead. You know, he said... I think I'm not going to be car sick for once. I wasn't talking to you, dweebhead. Dweebhead? Called Paul. I was talking to Carly here. They'd already been on the road almost two hours. They'd left Newkirk far behind. Now they were on a narrow two-lane blacktop, Route 107. They made sure... They sure made a strange caravan, thought Carly. Boone and Monique were leading the way on Boone's huge motorcycle. Paul's sleek red car came second. And in last place was his old beat-up Volkswagen van with psychedelic graffiti spray-painted all over it. Kyle and Suzanne. Paul reached down to change gears, which meant that in the cramped convertible, he practically put his hand on Carly's bare left knee. <gasps> Ooh. Sorry, he told her, flashing that sexy grin of his. My God, William. Will you just fucking make out with Paul already? No problem, Carly said. Or, no, it should be. No problem, William said. The truth was, she could, she wouldn't have minded if he tried to shift her knee. And no. William, when you try to do italics, and you're trying to say, she wouldn't have minded if he tried to shift her knee into gear. Her should have italics, not knee. So, the truth was, he wouldn't mind if he tried to shift her knee into gear. And again, two spaces in between knee and into fucking dumbass 
She could feel herself making goo-goo eyes at him like a puppy. He wrote this. Exactly how I just read it. Easy, comma, Carly, comma. I haven't done that in a while. She warned herself. If she kept going at this rate, by Sunday she'd be lying at his feet. Ugh. Paul was driving with the top down. The stiff breeze felt good against Carly's skin. But even with her seatbelt on, she felt like she might blow right out of the car. Paul, Albert said loudly, calling over the wind. What? Am I going to be able to get to a payphone on Sunday? Paul sighed and turned to Carly. Albert's worried that he won't be able to call his mom for Mother's Day, he explained. He's been bugging me about this for two days. Aw, that's sweet, Carly said, smiling back at Albert. Albert grinned briefly, then frowned again. Just promise me that I'm going to be able to get to a payphone. Yes, Albert, Paul said. For the millionth time, yes. I mean, where do you think we're going, anyway? The jungle? It's just Crystal Lake. That's part of New England. Just like your hometown of Providence. Okay. Albert sat up and looked out the window. Providence doesn't have woods on either side of the road, he whined. Providence isn't filled with poison ivy and wild bears. Albert is not what you call the outdoorsy type, Paul explained to Carly. He's more of what you would call a Pattison. I mean, he's more of what you would call a wuss. He doesn't even know how to drive. I've heard, William, you don't either. Didn't you get a DUI, maybe? I don't. That's just rumors. Uh, Carly smiled at Albert again. I've got the same problem, she said. I mean, I've got my license and everything, but my mom always got so worried when I went out driving someplace that I would stop driving. And now I'm out of practice and too scared to try. Albert stuck out his hand. Join the club. Cowards Anonymous. She shook, her, shook his hand and laughed. Albert was starting to grow on her, like the mold under William's titties. His hand was still clammy, though, just like William's titties. Are you scared of water? Just like William Patterson when it's bath time? <laughs> Albert asked. What? He cupped his hand over his mouth. Are you scared of water? Petrified? Skin cancer. Yeah, check out your elbows, William. Something grows there. I have nightmares every night. Wow, said Albert. We're soulmates. Soulmates. That sounds familiar. That's what you said Catherine Willowite was of to you. You are her soulmate, you fucking stalking bastard. Thank God, last page of chapter 3. But it's only chapter page 26 of 119. <sighs> when Carly turned back into her seat, Paul's handsome, rugged features were were. When Carly turned back in her seat, Paul's handsome, rugged features were were tensed up in a frown so is that a double negative double positive what is that paul's rugged features were were tensed you stupid dumb motherfucker could it be could it oh and now you just you added a word there but now you forgot a word instead of could it be that or you wrote could it that he minded when he jesus christ man you're fucking making my eyes twitch could it that he minded when he when she talked to Albert? Seriously, I dare you guys to go fucking download this because it's out there, free PDF, he's promoted it, and read this out loud like I am. I dare you not to fucking mess up. The possibility excited her so much that now her own hands started to get clammy, like William's titty. Then Albert called weakly. Paul, what? 
On second thought, I think I am going to be sick. Next rest stop you see, can we pull over? Carly pointed up ahead. It looks like Boone read your mind, Albert. He's turning in. She stuck her hand through the open roof to sil signal my band. Kyle and Suzanne. Of course, now we got two spaces again. It would be kind of hard for them to miss that, that they were turning since they were the only cars on the road. Then again, those two were so laid back, Carly figured she could send up flares. Paul slowed down and turned onto a dirt road leading up from the highway. And Carly got her first glimpse of the rest stop. Two ancient old pumps, a little gray shack. Oh, I think I remember this chapter, or this character. Well, trust me, just you wait. A little gray shack and a weather-beaten sign. Ned's gas. Ooh, Ned. He was a character from the first Friday the 13th. Did you steal that, William? The place looked totally deserted, but at least there was a payphone. Carly felt inside her pocket for change. She could call her mom after all, and then maybe, just maybe, she could convince her mother that there was no need to worry, because thank God she's not reading this fucking book. Oh, thank God the next chapter is so fucking short. And I think, honestly, let's see, how long have I been fucking recording this for? Let me check my phone real quick. I have been recording for 21 minutes. Uh, okay, let's see how long chapter 5 is. Because I'm fucking beat already. Okay, I'll read chapter 5 too. Chapter 4 is only a couple pages. Alright, chapter 4. Worrying. 7. It's very specific. 7 miles from Ned's gas outside a small, outside a small cottage set in the woods. A woman in a faded red house dress was unpinning a badge of stiff wind-dried clothes from her clothesline. Then she heard a car. She turned to watch her husband's beat-up blue Land Rover power up the sandy drive. Her husband waved and smiled broadly as he got out. The woman felt her stomach flutter with tension. She knew that smile. It was the smile her husband used every time he wanted to put her at ease, and it only served to worry her more. What's wrong, she asked as the large, heavy-set man walked toward her. He kept smiling. You read me too well, you know that? She wasn't delayed by his compliment. What is it? What happened? Oh, it's probably nothing, he said in a way that it was definitely something. Fuck you, William. In fact, I'm sure it's nothing. The man took off his red and blue New England Patriots cap. Isn't that what color they would always be? Although, are they Patriots? Aren't they like blue and gray? I could be wrong. Uh, and scratched his mostly bald head. The woman waited. It's just, well... I've been trying to reach Dro Joe Travers this past couple of days, he said. No luck. No, wait, no, no, no. <laughs> Two different... Okay. It's just, well, I've been trying to reach Joe Travers this past couple of days. He said, no luck. Three different sentences. Dipshit. They're not fucking right. Oh, the woman said, visibly relieved. Well, you know Joe. He goes off on those jaunts of his poaching up a storm. He goes off on those jaunts of his poaching up a storm. It's what he wrote, people. Her husband didn't look convinced, but he nodded. I mean, she said, Joe can take care of himself if anyone can. Why, the worst thing that ever happened to Joe Travers was losing that finger. And that was in his own trap. I know, I know, her husband said, but there's more. She went by his cabin. There was a Mother's Day card Joe had made lying on the kitchen table. Well, what's wrong with that? asked the woman, smiling in surprise. Her husband looked back at her blankly. Joe's mother has been dead for five years. 
The husband and wife looked at each other for a moment until the wife shivered and looked away. Well, hey, she said as she busied herself with the laundry. Maybe the card's for me. She winked. <sighs> Here, help me with this. She handed him one end of the sheet to be folded. The husband held his end of the sheet. She held hers. As she walked toward him, she said, Stop worrying. He'll turn up. Besides, that hang dog look of yours has given me the willies. You don't want the willies. Trust me. Look at Willie. Ugh. Besides, that hang dog look of yours has given me the willies. It's just, he trailed off, apparently at a loss for words. It's just what? Well, you know, there's been so much trouble around these parts, I feel like I've developed a sixth sense for it. And, he smiled nervously, as if aware that what he was about to say was going to sound silly. It can't be any worse than what I've fucking been saying for, like, these past two episodes. It's gotten so I feel it, you know. When it's coming, I can feel it in the air. That's ridiculous, said the woman. But, of course, she didn't think it was ridiculous at all. She knew exactly what her husband meant. And he'd been feeling the same way all day. Something was worrying her. Had been since she woke up. Something was wrong. She stacked the neatly folded sheet on top of the rest of her wash in the blue plastic basket. She scooped up the basket and started for the back door. I'm going to call Sheriff Delaney, the man said flatly when her back was turned. Suit yourself, the woman called back. She was almost at the door when her husband said, Hold it. He stepped quickly ahead of her so he could open the cottage himself. Well, well, she said. I guess chivalry isn't dead after all. Then the husband opened the door and the deafening blast of the hunter's shotgun caught him in the face. You might say it was the husband's final act of chivalry. He died an instant before his wife. Okay. Two, three, okay. Four and a half pages left. And then I'm fucking done with this shit. All right. Chapter five. Ned's gas. Well, that was worthless. Like your career, William. Monique was kicking the dusty ground in disgust as Carly got out of the car. Boone, you call this a gas station, she complained loudly. Boone was rapping on the shack door. What are you doing, Monique demanded. There is no one there, I telling you. This whole place is desert. Deserted? Okay, I thought that was a fucking typo for William. But then again, like I said, he was smart. He's writing this in broken English because, you know, he can't fucking write. Deserted, Boone corrected her with an easy grin. Hey, he waved at Carly and Paul. Carly waved back. Then she dropped her head back and took a deep breath. It was amazing. The air smelled so clean and fresh it almost stung her lungs. <sighs> Slowly and with difficulty, Albert was squeezing his large body out of the small car. He was clutching his big stomach with one hand. He had loosened his belt. Wow, he said. I think we just did some time travel. Look at this place. We're back in the 1930s. It's the Great Depression. Hey, Boone suddenly yelled. He started running towards the road and waving his arms. Hey, Kyle. It was too late. The psychedelic VW had driven right by the gas station. Unbelievable, Albert said, laughing and shaking his head. They missed it. A moment later, the old van came into view again, backing up. The VW doors open, letting out a blast of Jimi Hendrix on Kyle's tape deck. They were listening to some really heavy tunes, Kyle explained sheepishly as he and Suzanne joined the rest of the group. We totally spaced out. Suzanne added, This is fucking awful. Gee, Boone said, what a shocker. Paul asked, What's the story? Are we lost? We're fine, Boone said. In fact, we could walk to the camp. 
Okay, this is all one word. In fact, we could walk to the campsite from here. No space in between campsite and from. Paul asked, so what's the story? Are we lost? We're fine, Boone said. In fact, we could walk to the campsite from here. Monique just wanted to use the john. Except there is none, Monique said, pouting and showing off her full red lips. God damn it, William, stop. Are you kidding? Boone spun around, gesturing with his long arms. Monique, look around you. Nothing but woods. Nothing for miles. Carly smiled. She had never seen Boone so happy. In Newkirk. Hold on. Yeah, there we go. In Newkirk, he always looked like he was brooding about something, even when he was partying. Out here, he seemed totally free. I'm serious, he went on. We're in the wilds now. You can go to the bathroom anywhere you like. Go ahead. We won't peek. Boone's right, Kyle, thought. Kyle said thoughtfully. I mean, after all, what are we, really? We're just part of nature, right? Part of the food chain. William loves his food. That's comforting, said Albert. Monique was jabbing Boone in the ribs. You are disgusting, she told him. Listen, Albert said Boone, if we're not lost, I think we should hurry up and go to the campgrounds, don't you? I mean, we don't need to set up and everything before. I mean, okay, that's my bad. I mean, don't we need to set up and everything before it gets really dark? Boone draped a long arm around Albert's round shoulders. Albert, he said in a mock fatherly tone, let me explain something to you, okay? We're all here to party and chill and have a good time. Do yourself a favor. Don't worry so much. Everyone started laughing. Carly held back. She didn't want this trip to turn into pick on Albert time. Guys, I'm telling you, I've outdone myself. You won't believe how beautiful these campgrounds are. And get this, the whole campsite is totally 100% people-free. People-free? Albert looked worried all over again. Why, is there something wrong with the place? Boone frowned. Uh, didn't you tell him, Paul? Aw, oh, gee, Paul said, slapping Albert on the back. I forgot. Forgot what? Carly found herself asking with Albert, or asking along with Albert. Well, see, it's like this, Boone said. He squinted up at the setting sun, taking his time. There's a legend around this, Parts. Yeah, that's exactly how Part 7 started. They say there's, well, there's this death curse. Albert's mouth opened in horror. Death curse? I'm out of here. Oh, please, Carly scoffed. There's no such thing as a death curse. She still felt a tingle of fear race down her spine. Yes, Albert, can't you tell he's teasing, Monique added. Don't be such a baby. Pretty scared. Monique looked pretty scared herself. That's right, Paul said. There's nothing to be scared of, unless... He paused dramatically. Unless what? Suzanne asked, her eyes wide. Unless you believe in the undead, Paul finished. The undead, answered Kyle. He whistled. Cool. Monique put her hands over her ears. This is not funny. I get scared now. All right, guys, said Carly. We can stop trying to frighten us. To Monique, she added, don't pay any attention. Of course I won't, Monique, Monique sneered, looking superior. I was just teasing. Paul and Boone looked at each other. Well, do you want to tell them or should I? Paul asked. Go ahead, Boone said. Well, Paul began, this camp we're going to, there used to be a real camp here, a long time ago, Camp Gristol Lake. But then this boy, Jason, he drowned. Or no, sorry. But then this boy, Jason, he drowned, see? Okay. You sh shouldn't you have a quote, shouldn't you have a question mark after C if you're asking, if you're doing it like that? But, okay. 
But then this boy Jason, he drowned, see? While some camplers were, you know, doing it. <sighs> I, I get it. Young adult novel. Jesus. <sighs> it's written by a young adult. Suzanne giggled nervously. Okay, three more pages, thank God. So his mother, Mrs. Voorhees, you could have called her Pamela. So his mother, Mrs. Voorhees, she went berserk and murdered the counselors who were responsible. Except she was never caught. Never caught, Albert repeated stupid, stupid, my bad. Albert repeated stupidly. Paul ignored him. But the desk kind of put a crimp in the camp schedule. Ha ha. So they closed the place down. But then, Boone said, picking up the story as smoothly as all heads turned to watch him. Years later, some guy decided to open the camp back up. And, two spaces, he had all the counselors there for pre-camp. And the boy's mother, this Mrs. Voorhees, she was still crazy and she still wanted, re wanted revenge. So she killed all the new counselors. All, Monique said in a hollow voice. All but one, Boone said. This girl survived because she, he cackled hysterically, she chopped off the old lady's head. Well, that's real funny, Boone. Carly said, very mature. She was mad for several reasons. For one thing, he was succeeding in scaring her, and she hated that. For another, if he was telling the truth in any way, then she was mad he hadn't heard all this before. She hadn't heard all this way before now. The more she scowled, though, the harder Boone laughed. Tell what happened next, he told Paul between wheezes and chuckles. Next? Paul looked confused. Oh, yeah. Then the story gets pretty weird. Then the story gets pretty weird? That's how you're supposed to do it, William. That's how you're supposed to do it, you stupid idiot. You're supposed to put the italics on the word you want. Albert asked in a high-pitched voice. Up until now, is it was what, normal? You see, Paul said solemnly, legend has it that Mrs. Voorhees' head was never found. Just her body. He burst out laughing as well. But the best part, Boone said, the legend about Mrs. Voorhees' son, Jason, the locals think the guy keeps coming back from the dead. They think he's like this monster that haunts the lake. Carly glanced around the group. Albert, Suzanne, and Monique were all looking terrified. They must be reading well William Pattison book. But for Carly, anger was rapidly replacing fear. Is any of this true, she demanded, staring right at Paul. Or staring straight at Paul, my bad. When he finally stopped laughing, he said, It's all true, actually. He gave her an apolog apologetic shrug. For a moment, everyone went silent. Then Carly turned to Boone and said evenly, Why didn't you tell me this last night? I know, I should have. But then you wouldn't have come, would you? The thing is, the place is perfectly safe now. I mean, that's why it's such a great party spot. No one ever comes out here. Ever. They're too spooked. And this all happened years ago, Paul added. So much for trusting Boone, thought Carly. She sighed. Well, there's no going back now. She would have to make the best of it. And then something happened that took the sting right out of the whole situation. Paul put his arm around her waist. <gasps> Don't worry, he said. I wouldn't be here if I didn't think it was safe. And if anything happens, I'll protect you. The feel of his hand pressing through her shirt was electric. Wow. Monique started punching Boone's arm. I kill you, he, she said. Boone held up his hands as if he was defending himself. Oh no, he said. Here we go. It's the death curse. Everyone started laughing because they're listening to me read this fucking book. Which helped release the tension. Then Kyle started howling like a wolf. Which made everyone laugh even harder. The group's laughter grew and grew until 
Paul said, Hey, he didn't say it loudly. The urgency in his voice frightened Carly all over again. She turned fast to look at Paul. The look on his face made her heart start to pound. The way Paul was staring, it looked as if he was watching something right behind her. Someone's coming. That's it. I'm not reading any fucking more because this next chapter is like five, six pages. No more. I'm done. I'm on page 36 of 119. Chapter 6, a warning. Here's my warning. Warning is, don't read this book. But guess what? I've taken one for the team. Fuck this. This is awful. William, you suck. You proved how bad of an author you are. Just by me reading this shit out loud, your chronic use of misspelling, bad punctuation... Extra spaces in between fucking words. You suck. You're awful. You never had a career. You never... Sh and if you did, I am very surprised by the way you write. You suck. <sighs> I feel a little bit better now, but... Now I don't because I, re I realize I still have plenty of more to read. Fuck my life. Fuck you guys for enjoying this. Because you're the ones that I'm doing it for. You're not worth it, but... I'll see you in the next one. Fuck.